Thank you for that reading. Before we go into this time of the sermon, let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we, we thank you for this, your presence here today, O oh Lord, and we pray that the words and meditations of your heart, Lord, come through and that we can not only hear them, but we accept them in our minds and our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. So, uh, church, this morning I'm going to share something with you that be vulnerable with you this morning. I'm going to share something very, uh, you know, I'm a little scared to share it. I'm going to share with you one of my biggest fears and anxieties. So let me pull up the picture to show you. <laughs> I have to admit, grocery shopping may be one of my least favorite things to do in the world. It really does give me anxiety and adds fear into my heart and into my mind whenever I am tasked to go to the store. And I do like HEB. I know it's a great store. I think we can all agree about it. But this is the part that I don't like. Being at a crowded grocery store, I could imagine nothing worse, I think. <laughs> but I'm that person, since I do, I know this about myself. I know I have this fear, I have this anxiety that comes with grocery shopping. I'm the kind of person that I plan out every item that I'm going to get. I have a very detailed list. I make a plan of action in my head about how I'm going to go about it, which side of the store I'm going to go on, how I'm going to go through, because I have one goal in mind, to get in and out of the store as quickly as possible. So once I walk through those doors and I get into the store, I am hyper-focused about completing my goal, about getting out of the store so I do everything with a little bit of urgency. And really, the shopping itself is not what adds to my anxiety. It's not really the issue. I, don't, I can walk around aisles and get items from the shelves and put it in my basket. It's all the other factors that surround shopping that adds to my anxiety. Because there always seems to be something that is getting in the way of my experience or is slowing down my time being there and making it where I have to stay there a little bit longer. You know, it may be somebody that might be accidentally blocking an aisle, so I have to walk around to the other side to go on there, ask them politely to move. It could be an item being out of stock that, uh, that was on my list, so now I have to change my game plan in my head. It could be the increasing prices that we're all experiencing at the store right now. Whatever it may be, there are so many different factors that add to my anxiety and ultimately, don't put me in the best mood. If, if Hannah was in the early service, but if she was here, you could ask her after the service about how much I enjoy shopping. And it gets me close to the point where I feel like I may snap. Not fully like yelling at people, but I'm not going to be in the nicest mood possible if I'm there. So in the midst of my own urgency of trying to get in and out of the store, I never seem to take a moment to consider what somebody else may possibly be going through. You know, the person that's blocking the aisle, I don't consider how their day's going. I just get angry about it. I don't consider why an item may be out of stock. I just am so fed up with the situation. I'm too focused on my own goal to show any empathy in the midst of my journey. And for you, it may not be grocery shopping, but I feel like we all have that time in our life where we are doing something with so much urgency that we let, it take, we let it take over our lives and take over our mood to the point where it produces anxiety and it causes us to act in the way that we don't really want to. 
So whenever we get in this place of urgency, we, for, we often forget about our surroundings and we only focus on our goal. So our text in Matthew chapter 15 is one where I really feel like we see Jesus and the disciples experiencing the same sense of urgency. Because leading up to our text, Jesus has been in the midst of his ministry and he has been doing all this great work for his ministry. And in the, the verses leading up to verse 21 in, in chapter 15, you see that Jesus has many lengthy debates with the religious leaders of the time and the religious authority. And he's, they're talking a lot about tradition, and Jesus is kind of showing them, oh, we could do this a different way. So I imagine Jesus was probably pretty tired because he's constantly surrounded by crowds. He's constantly being asked questions. People are questioning every decision he makes. So Jesus is finally in a position where he gets to just travel him and the disciples, they're traveling to their next location. They're going to continue the next stop of his mission. And as some of us know, Jesus, his ultimate mission of being on earth was redemption. He was sent to redeem the world from sin and offer us salvation. And this redemptive mission of Jesus is the one thing that he does with urgency. He is so committed to this goal. He is so hyper-focused on this goal that he is urgently trying to do everything he can to complete it. Because he understands his place in the world. He understands our need for redemption. So in order to fulfill this mission, Jesus knows that there might be some things along the way that he's going to have to ignore because he understands the, the width of his ultimate goal and his ultimate mission. So he understands that saying yes to the great thing of redeeming the world sometimes means saying no to some good things along the way. So this place of urgency is where I truly feel like we find Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. And it, to me, helps kind of explain some of his actions in this conversation he has with this woman. So in this text, we see, we see Jesus have a difficult encounter with an unnamed Canaanite woman. This interaction Jesus has with this woman is one that it truly is kind of difficult to translate. It's one that causes us to think. It's one that we have to wrestle with for a long time. And this morning, we're going to do just that. We're going to wrestle with this text because it is one once you can get past the initial shock of what happened you can see the meaning behind it. But we must first address who exactly this woman is to set up some context about, about what really happens. So in the text, Matthew tells us very little about this, who this woman is. He doesn't give her a name. All we know is that she is a Canaanite. A Canaanite is the group of people who were inhabitants of the land that Israel came into. So long story short, the Israelites... And the Canaanites, they, they don't get along. Often Canaanites are perceived as violent by people in society, and really they are seen as beneath the rest of society as a whole. And the next thing we know about this woman is that she is a mother. She has a daughter, but not only any daughter, she has a daughter who is possessed, which also further separates from society as a whole, but people within her own culture. Other Canaanites won't associate with her because of her daughter, too. 
But we also know that this woman is not of traditional Jewish faith. So the religious community struggles to accept her in these times. So to sum all of this up, we have an unnamed Canaanite woman who is a marginalized Gentile mother who lived in a world that was not fair. A world that cast her out, a world that has marginalized her, a world that has treated her differently because of who she is. But in the midst of all of that adversity, what we see in the story is that she still demonstrates faith in Jesus. So as we go back to our text, we see that this woman is shouting after Jesus. I I like that it uses the word shouting. It really paints the picture of the scene of what is going on here. And as we know, this is for her daughter, not herself. So she is doing this with urgency too. She is doing this with emotion. She is very committed to getting Jesus' attention in this moment. And she does this because she wants to save her daughter, but she also understands something critical about God's mercy. Because as we've said, she lives in a world, culture, and situation that is unfair to her. But she knows the reach that God truly has. She is a caring mother who truly believes in God's mercy and believes that it is available not to just a few people, but available to everyone. Her conviction and faith and belief in the reach of God allows her to know that she is speaking up for what is right in this moment. She doesn't let the the situation she is stop her from shouting after Jesus, for speaking up for Jesus, because she knows, because she believes in that reach of God and knows that she is speaking up for what is right, no matter what the consequences may be. Her situation does not stop her from advocating for herself, her daughter, and her faith. So this Canaanite woman approaching Jesus truly did make a scene. And to put it in different terms, imagine you're, you're eating dinner at a restaurant with a group of friends or family, whoever it may be, you're there for a nice dinner, and then all of a sudden, somebody at a table across the room starts shouting after you. You don't see who it is. You don't know who it is. They're just trying to get your attention. They're not even saying anything. They're just calling out your name. You don't exactly know what they want, or do you really even care in the moment? All you know is that they are breaking some kind of social norm where you're really not supposed to yell across restaurants. That's kind of what the text is portraying in this moment. As we see the disciples and Jesus, they're traveling amongst each other. And I imagine this is one of the few times that they're away from a big crowd. And this woman is yelling after them, shouting after them. And really, this Canaanite woman is not in a socially or cultural place to be shouting after anyone. That's what, in those days, that's what the world thought. Her culture, ethnicity, and gender prevented her from being somebody that could shout after anyone. So what she was doing was breaking barriers. Because as I said earlier, throughout Matthews, you see religious leaders constantly talking about how religion in the tradition of religion, they are often portraying favoritism, exclusion, and contempt that all go against somebody like this unnamed woman in our story today. So this woman is presenting such a stark contrast to what everybody has been hearing in the world at that time. This is a woman that has little to no social status, 
But she knows and believes that God is still there for her. So her actions are what demonstrates her faith. We often just read the words and what she says, and those demonstrate faith too. But when you look at the situation and you look at the way she was reaching out to Jesus, her actions are what demonstrated her faith because her actions are what broke barriers. She was willing to break cultural barriers in order to receive the mercy that she knew rightly belonged to everyone. So in the midst of this courageous act of faith, we, we see that Jesus and the disciples respond in an unusual way. This is where the scripture gets somewhat tricky. This is where a lot of people will get tripped up on the scripture because the disciples, they say to get rid of her. They say she's causing a scene. She's really not supposed to be yelling at us. You need to send her away. We're trying to rest. We're trying to travel. We're trying to do our thing. And Jesus, he had an interesting initial response. He initially responded with silence. That's what it shows in the text. He didn't say anything. He was kind of just trying to ignore her in hopes that she would leave, but she kept pursuing him. So then he finally turns around and starts talking with her, and his response is a, is a scripture that is the one that is difficult for us to wrestle with. So Jesus responds to her by saying that Israel, or that he was there just for the people of Israel, and he ultimately, he compares her to a dog. In the Greek, it translates in different ways that it might have meant just a household pet, but no matter what, it was still what can be read as an insult. This response from Jesus is something I imagine nobody was expecting. And I've read this text before, I've read it a lot this week, and every time I read it, it still surprises me. Because as we see in our own lives, we see that Jesus does sometimes respond to our prayers and our situations in ways that we don't expect, and sometimes in ways that we don't like. But I believe that in the scripture, Jesus comes off a lot harsher than he really intended. Because again, we have to remember Jesus is fully divine, but he is also fully human. He gets caught up in this moment. He was trying to use a metaphor to explain kind of what he was doing there but he ended up supporting a stereotype that has been dragging a woman like this down for a generation. But remember, as I said earlier, Jesus, he is hyper-focused on his mission. He's hyper-focused on being the redeeming power of this world. So I truly, really believe Jesus just got caught up in the moment. You know, he has his friends, the disciples there telling him, hey, get rid of her, she's, she's annoying us, get rid of her, she can't be doing this. And Jesus is just trying to travel, trying to get some peace in his life. And I think he responds in a way that he didn't truly intend to. Jesus was saying no to this good thing of trying to heal this daughter in order to continue his journey to do the great thing of redeeming the world. But in this moment, in Jesus' response and what seems like an insult at surface... It would have been perfect, perfectly reasonable for this Canaanite woman to just get up, walk away, and abandon her faith. I imagine any one of us in the room probably would have done the same thing. I, I know I would have. But she understands that Jesus isn't just here for the Israelites. She understands the width of God's mercy. She understands how God loves everyone. And nothing 
Nothing will change her faith in that. And that faith is what is ultimately rewarded. But in the scripture, we, we see this situation where Jesus responds in a way that is unexpected. And in our own lives, we go through the same things. We experience times where we're asking God for help or asking Jesus for a response. And God gives it to you, but it's not in the way you either wanted or the way you expected. And sometimes in order to fully step out in faith, it, it does take us to go out of our comfort zone at, at times. It sometimes takes God calling us into a direction we didn't see coming. It sometimes takes our faith to pull us into doing something we never imagined doing. It could be, you know, praying over someone in need. It could be taking time to truly self-evaluate your faith and be honest with yourself. It could be opening up to someone who needs it, who needs to hear your heart and where God's love is in your life. It could be God calling you into an entirely new direction that you never saw coming. Because we are often presented with these opportunities by God. When we seek them out, we, we realize where God wants us. And sometimes in those moments, we realize it was somewhere we never would have expected. For me, I would not be in this position today without Jesus responding to my prayers in a completely unexpected way. So as some of you know, I, I never saw myself heading into a life of pastoral ministry. I mean, never. Never even popped in my mind. I, I grew up in the church. I, my mom made me go to church. But I saw myself doing something completely different. I intended, when I went to college, I, I was a biology major. I was going to go into the medical field. But throughout that process, in my first year and a half of school, I began hurting. I was hurting spiritually mentally and physically. And it got to the point where I knew I needed to ask God, okay, this might not be where I need to be. Where do I need to do? What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? What's next? And after a year or so of discernment and prayer, God finally responded by calling me in the ministry. And again, that's something I never expected. I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't like praying out loud. I don't remember all my Bible stories. Why would God want me doing this? I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, okay, that's not real. I don't trust that. But as time went on, God kept pulling me back into this idea of going into ministry. So I finally, I just decided to trust God, even though it was something that was unexpected, even though I never thought I was cut out for this. But I began to realize that when God calls us in these directions, God, God is the one that gives us the strength. God is the one that gives us the courage to do it. God is the one that builds our faith up so we can step out into the open waters and step out into the next chapters of our lives. So with that all being said, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Even though I spent a lot of time wondering is this what I needed to do? I spent a lot of time questioning why God would send me in this direction. And I can see that God is the one pulling me here. So really the main question we have to begin to ask ourselves is how do we respond with our own faith when Jesus does not respond the way we expect? How are we going to respond? How is our faith going to respond? How are we going to engage and open discipleship with our faith when God responds in a way we didn't expect 
or may not even like. How do we prepare our faith for this moment? Because our faith, there will be a time that God is calling you out of your comfort zone to do something you may not have seen coming. It may require us to speak up for what is right. It may require you to volunteer doing something you never saw. It may require you to to be a person for somebody else. It may be calling us to do something we never saw ourselves doing. So whatever it may look like, we have to maintain a strong faith in order to be able to properly respond to God. We have to trust that even in those times where it seems like Jesus is responding in a way we don't expect, we continue to have faith. The Canaanite woman in our text today is the perfect example of unwavering faith in the face of adversity. In our text, this woman, she, she receives one of the most unexpected responses from Jesus that you can read in the gospel, and it does not phase her. She responds to it with unwavering faith. She was determined, she was strong, and she was faithful to a God that she knew would show her and everyone mercy. The way in which this unnamed Canaanite woman was treated was not fair. I think we can all admit that. The way the disciples and Jesus initially responded to her, it was not fair. Her living in a world that marginalized and oppressed her was not fair. Really, her not even being credited with a name in this scripture, that still is not fair. Because this woman made an impact with her faith. Because in the face of all of that injustice, and all the unfairness of this world, she still chooses faith. She still believes and recognizes God's love. She never asked for fairness, but she asked for mercy. She asked for God's love. She asked for God's grace. So she demonstrated a faith that can teach us today, but I truly believe it taught Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Her unwavering faith taught Jesus a lesson that day. Because Jesus not only recognized her faith, he commended it. And he saved her daughter. He showed her the mercy that she knew was available all along. Because Jesus is not, Jesus is big enough to not be ashamed to learn something new. Jesus is humble enough to recognize that he may have been in the wrong there. And that this woman has a faith that he could not deny. Jesus showed humility in this moment and recognized in this small, short scripture that his mission isn't just for Israel, it is for all of us. And we see this by the end of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus recognizes that the Gospel is for all nations, all of the world, everyone. His love, grace, and forgiveness are for all. And I I know this was probably a part of his mission all along. Jesus knew this in his head, knew this in his heart, knew that he was there to redeem the entire world. But I would love to believe that this unnamed, oppressed, marginalized Canaanite woman helped him along the way. That she helped him recognize how wide God's reach truly is. Because at the end of the day, unwavering Courageous and determined faith can bring mercy, grace, and love to each and every one of us. Because as we, as we see in the text, though, 
it is a lot easier said than done. That is something I, I tell youth all the time. Yes, we can sit up here and talk about if you just have faith, everything will go your way. But we know, we know the reality of this world. We know that that is just easier to say than it actually being done. We know that we live in a world that, that is broken, that has fallen to sin, where we still live at somewhat of a distance from God. But as we see in this story of the Canaanite woman, God can respond to us in so many different and unexpected ways, and that the world is not always fair. So the sermon title for this morning is called, Is It Fair? But I think we, we kind of know the answer to that. We know that life isn't always fair. It wasn't fair to the woman in the story. It wasn't fair in a lot of other situations. It wasn't fair to Jesus. It's not fair to us sometimes today. Because we still live in a world where we have people that are oppressed or marginalized or cast out or aren't believed or good enough to be in certain situations, just like the Canaanite woman was in our text today. We see those not only in the entire world, but we know of those people in our community. We may feel like that for ourselves at times too. So we, as the church, we have an opportunity an opportunity to share God's love with them instead of reinforcing typical historical notions of favoritism, exclusion, and contempt. Because we know those are still prevalent in our society today. And our text shows us that not just the religious leaders, not just the pastors, the people that are called in the ministry, those people, not just those people have the ability to demonstrate and teach faith. Everyone has the capacity to learn, grow, and live out our faith. And that can spark an impact in our society today. So we know the world may not be fair, but God's love and mercy always is. It is fair, it is just, it is for all. Because we have a loving and gracious God who is merciful and that reaches out to us and moves through us and around us to the people in our lives, the people we come into contact with. That grace and that love is contagious, that it goes into us, but it also goes through us to those that we come into contact with. So we have to remember this and hold on to it, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. We have to spend time in faithful discipleship with one another. We have to grow together as a community, as a church, as an individual. Grow in our faith and be prepared for wherever God is going to call you to next. We cannot let the injustices in our own lives and in the world derail our faith and prevent us from living it out in everything we do. Because we know the world isn't fair. That doesn't mean we can't go out and change it with the love and grace that God has given each and every one of us. So we must be prepared to live out our faith in ways you may have never expected because you never know how it might change the world. It's like our text, an unnamed, marginalized, oppressed Canaanite woman not only changed and saved her daughter, she helped Generations of people that read scripture today learn something about faith. Whether you believe it or not, you have the ability to do the same thing. Amen.